This is We Met You When, a new podcast by journalism students at Toronto Metropolitan University. We go back in time, dig up news stories from 2012, and track down the people in those stories. Okay, cool. I'm going to this article. Yeah? She referred to me as Burley in that article, I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about that? It's okay. <laughs> I've acquired a lot of different tools over time, and... Yeah, it's always a work in progress, though, to say you're fixed. Uh, I wasn't fixed then, and I'm definitely not fixed now, right? We want to know what happened after their names were in the news. It, I almost feel like the depression started to set in when I realized this is, I can't keep this up. So at that point, I also think I was running out of steam. But then a lot of the external pressure, I think I let it get to me internally. I was like, oh, I'm in the newspaper now. Now they're going to like, know who I am, and like, if I lose, they're going to, I don't know, remember the newspaper article or something. Some were children when they were interviewed. Others were adults. No one was in a position of power. But many of them felt the power a news story can have. It's definitely something where even working with online databases and even working back with friends and peers and colleagues it's something always like, don't Google my full name, don't Google my last name. And sometimes some of the things that you said and the way they put it in, it doesn't sound like that's what you were saying. Do you know what I mean? Right? And that's to me, was, is scary, right? We're exploring the difference a decade makes and the difference we journalists can make going forward. By first going back to 2012. You're listening to We Met You When Season 1. This is Giftedness, a Sticky Label. Jackie's Gambit. Just roll with it. Don't mess it up. Um, do you want me to do anything? No, 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 you're good. Just look at Maddie for me. Okay. Ooh. I can hear myself. <laughs> Not the cringe when you look at me. <laughs> <laughs> it was hearing my own voice. I was like, okay. oh no. Go ahead, Maddie. Yeah. Cool. Hey. Right. Hey, buddy. Okay. Are we already recording, Angela? Yeah, we are. Okay, good. Because I, I can't. Use all of this. I can't That's reach. Okay, yeah. I want this. People. Oh, and the weirdness that I have, like, being uncomfortable in front of the microphones. Aww. Okay, so you each need to say yeah. "I'm" and your name, and we produced. Don't okay. Mess it up. Do we say that at the same time? Well, you like, don't talk listen? over each other. In but for it. We produced. Um, okay, I'm Maddie Mahoney, and I'm Britt Weaver. Um, we produced the episode, Don't Mess It Up. Um, okay. I'm Britt Weaver. Do you want to do the whole thing again? Should we start? Do it one more time. Okay. Um, I'm Maddie Mahoney. And I'm Britt Weaver. Uh, we produced the episode, Don't Mess It Up. And tell us why it's called that. Yeah. So I guess um, it all started with Maddie's amazing find. Uh of an article, and we went all the way to Jane and Finch uh, to meet Devon Jones, and uh, he put us in touch with a gentleman named Michael Hines. And when we got in contact with Michael, it was, uh, you could tell he was very cautious. You could tell he was very, uh, he was asking a lot of questions about where it was being published or what was happening with it and who we were and what kind of like our intention was. And to be honest, we didn't really have an intention. We were just trying to figure out what 
a story mm. was. So we actually did a Zoom with him first. And that was a lot of questions, a lot of questions back and forth. And we noticed that he said something really interesting that he actually didn't do a lot of interviews with journalists anymore. And we asked him to expand on that. And what he told us was that he just doesn't find that they're doing a very good job at representing communities that he has been working in. So we thought that would be that was pretty interesting because we're also journalists and we didn't know why he wanted to speak with us. So we decided to meet up with him again and try and figure it out. I feel like we got like the title because uh, he, though he eventually ended up talking to us and like, especially with Britt, because she was doing the interviews, like I think becoming pretty comfortable with you. He like did kind of like make little jokes to the end about like, well, you know, if this doesn't go well, I'm never going to talk to you again. And like, you could tell that he was joking, but also knowing the full backstory, like it feels like not a hundred percent a joke. So there is a bit of pressure there. Good, good pressure, I think. But yeah, we really didn't want to mess it up. Yeah, definitely a good pressure because you don't want to uh, hurt that relationship that you've developed with somebody over the span of two months. So I guess like our original interest was because we found this article with this term like hug a thug that we thought was so um racist and like inappropriate and I think the most interesting part of like the process of coming together with this episode was like I think the focus that we thought it would have going in which was like this term being like inappropriate or like a bad way of describing this community was not like that wasn't the thing that stood out to our sources in the way that we thought it would like I think I went into the interviews and we asked Devon first I was like what do you think about this term and he was like just like didn't have that much to say about it and like I think agreed that it was inappropriate but that wasn't really like and the same with Michael it just like it wasn't the thing that stood out to them the most and so we ended up talking to them a lot more about how the media covers like the communities that they live and work in more generally and like this kind of like continual like larger misrepresentation um so I think that was interesting it was like a good reminder to not be married to the thing that you like go in wanting to ask about like we had to kind of let them take the lead there even if like the initial thing that like we thought was really like interesting or weird like that didn't end up being so much the focus and I think that was good like that was more true to like the ex what they were telling us about. The experience was um, very humbling and a lot of work and a lot of research and a lot of chatting. I mean, the whole episode is uh, just over 15 minutes, but there's so much more tape and knowing what to, the important things that they wanted to share, to share those things, as opposed to like the things like what you were saying, Maddie, like the things that we thought we were supposed to share or the things that we thought were interesting initially going in. Yeah. And I think it was a good like reminder, the whole thing about just like the kind of impact that journalism has which I know feels kind of obvious and it's like something that we talk about all the time but we're always like in our little journalism rooms like alone or at our laptops or whatever and I think that just like going out and talking to people and being like oh okay like coverage that we do like that could prevent us from talking to people for a decade or like almost a decade and then it's like all the things that we wouldn't be able to cover and like all the stories that we would never get out there like I think just thinking of it made it feel like a lot more real and like tangible, like, oh, okay, the stakes are really high. 
Yeah. And like the things that we have learned and the things that we're told is so different from in practice, right? Mm. When we're actually out there and um, speaking with uh, people who aren't in a position of power, like we would be in the media and to take that responsibility and to actually do do it right and not mess it up. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, thanks guys. Oh, gosh. Awesome. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Megan Kim Lasserin. Hi, I'm Jasmine Alkalani. Hi, I'm Elle Laws. We worked on the Roll With It episode. I think the most interesting part for me was kind of going into the story thinking I knew what the story was, but then having our main character give us a bunch of different stories and really getting to understand who she is as a person and not just something that happened to her. So that was really interesting to explore. We originally thought the story was about, you know, dealing with loss, especially having that unique story of opening a store with her late father's money and then having it come to an end. We thought she was still trying to pick up the pieces of her grief, but what really became interesting for us was learning that she had this amazing positive outlook on life and it wasn't just a sad story to tell. Yes, there were aspects of grief, but she really had her own way of grieving. I decided to open up more about my experience when I realized Gwen and I had a lot of overlapping memories and, I guess, scenes in our life, especially she mentions um, the roller skating. I also have a roller skating memory with my sister who is included in the story, but mostly it was her outlook on grief that I resonated with. She was so positive and understands that grief lives with you even after, you know, losing a person. So I think her story really um, represented that. And that's why I wanted to include my story in it as well. Yeah, I think when we were discussing Jasmine inserting her own story into this, I was all for it. I mean, of course, we had to make sure that Jasmine herself felt comfortable to share a really vulnerable piece of her life with us. And I think it really helped having me at least there to kind of let her just talk to me so that it came off naturally and not too scripted, because I think that's what really resonates with our listeners to kind of just hear it from someone as opposed to just a narrator. Including my own story in the journalism project was I was a bit torn because I wanted to be objective and I don't want to be biased, but at the same time, something like this means so much to me. So I questioned, I often questioned as a journalist, how much can I include myself in a project? But I started to find that balance in understanding that including yourself can be powerful if you know when to interject yourself. Uh, well, learning about Gwen's grief allowed me to understand that sometimes it's important to talk to other people with grief and not just grief counselors or the people around you, like friends and family. Of course, it's important to um, you know talk and discuss about your feelings, but I think grief is something that is only understood by people who really experienced it. So it was really nice to do this podcast because I feel like it helped me process my grief as well. So I worked mostly in the post kind of production editing kind of 
um, aspects of this project. So I was in charge of mixing it, um, some music selection, most sound effect selection, and really kind of making the story sound the way it does in the audio piece and the levels and everything. I think there was definitely a moment of concern for me when it came to music selection where I was like, I don't want to make it sound cheesy because it's such an important story that needs to be told. So there is a draft of this story where the only music used is jazz because I was like, I I don't want to like put too much somber music in it. So then it like sounds like cheesy, like we're trying to emphasize the emotion too much. Then um, I sent it off to Megan and Jasmine and they were like, we, we need more emotion. So I think it really kind of made me explore more kind of s- music options and get more adventurous with it. I was like, okay, maybe we'll add some more. And I, in the end, I don't think it sounds cheesy when we add like the somber music or that happy, upbeat music in the end. It's just like that perfect balance. It definitely pushed my kind of editing muscles I, I gotta be honest when it came to the music in my editing I was quite timid before I very much relied on what the person was saying um not kind of like using music to express emotions of the story so that was really fun and I think it's something I'm going to take away to like future products I'm Abby Hughes I'm Caleb Sukoch and we produced Jackie's Gambit with Curtis Martin So I think during this whole process, this was the first time I learned kind of how to tackle a podcast with a group. I've always done it individually, so it was a little challenging getting used to giving people their own roles uh, and everyone having their own thing to do and relying on on other people. So that was different for me because I've always been used to editing myself, writing myself, coming up with ideas. Even if this is easier with a team, there's also those new challenges of trusting people and then kind of just like backing away from the process. So that was definitely the main thing for me was just learning to trust your team with their roles and not stress about every little detail. We had some some speed bumps with all of us because you're texting about what everyone's going to do, our deadlines, everyone has their own roles, their interviews. But I think at the end, we all had like really good communication and we're all friends and have known each other for years. So it made it easy to keep each other accountable. And I think that's what, what one thing that helped our group is like we weren't shy to like uh, kind of tell people if they weren't like picking up their slack. Um, for me, it was mostly learning about the chess world because I like have very, I, I don't have very much knowledge about chess at all. I think like I could barely try to play it now without going back and refreshing the rules. Um, but yeah, I think. It was interesting, an interesting world to dive into. Everyone was super nice along the way. If I was like, oh, this is something that I don't know, um, they clarified. And um, it took a lot of research in the beginning, but I think um, I have a decent understanding of chess now and what it means to be in chess and be a competitive chess player. I think um, I was really interested uh, behind the scenes in the psychology piece behind it, Um we didn't get to include a crazy amount of that. It's only like 15 minutes. Um, but I think David Day's research is really cool. And he's also hoping to go on sabbatical next year and write a book about um, gifted kids with his wife, who's also a psychologist. So he had a lot of neat things to say, and he was very curious about the process, um, uh, like from our side. So that was an interesting discussion uh, that Curtis had with him. I really liked just reading that and like listening to it um 
like the whole interview. Yeah, I think how people succeed and what factors contribute to people's success are really, really neat. I think the main thing that I want people to get from this story when they listen to it is it's bigger than just a chess story. I think if you see the episode title or if you see the blurb, you'll think it's just about some chess talent and that we want to just talk with the chess world. But it's so much more about it can apply to any project, even any talented child or anyone who has pressures on themselves from parents, coaches, or just from their own internal pressure they put on themselves because they see the potential in themselves. I think it's such an interesting way of looking at someone who's fine that she didn't go down this route that was promised to her as a, as a young age and that she's fine that she found success in something completely different. And it's not like a regretful thing. It's just I was good at something. I loved it. And then I turned the page and now I love something else. Like it's we always make out those type of stories to be like sad or kind of like, oh, what could have been? But she just looks at it as like, no, I had fun. This helped me in my life. I had friends. I had coaches I enjoyed being with. And now I get to do something I love even more. So I'll, for me, it's about it's about a story. Like if you have a talent, if you have something you're good at, good at and it doesn't go well, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world for you. You can still be good at other things and you can still find passion uh, in other careers. So yeah, it's more than just a, a chess story about some talent. I think it's a, a important story for anyone that has a passion and that finds talent in their passions. Hi, my name is Sale Forster, and I was a producer and fact checker on the Giftedness, a Sticky Label episode of the We Met You When podcast. Hi, my name is Carolina Pucciarelli, or Carolina Pucciarelli, if you care to pronounce it the way that my mother does. I self-titled myself as the musical genie of this episode, which essentially meant that I mixed everything together. It was a role that ate up quite a bit of my time, but I really, really enjoyed it. I am proud of the piece my team and I were able to produce. Hi, my name is Kendra Segan. I was one of the producers on Giftedness, a Sticky Label, and I was titled by Carolina as the creative flair extraordinaire of the piece, did a little bit of everything, did some producing, did some writing, did a lot of interviews, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. What was challenging about this podcast? That's a really big question. I think one of the hardest things that we had to work with with our podcast episode was just taking the amount of great content that we got and condensing it down into something smaller, manageable, understandable. I think every person has such an intricate story. No person's story starts and ends in one news article. And that's kind of what we were looking at with this podcast is this one story from 2012 and what happened next. But before 2012, there are all these things that helped build up our main person's story. CC's story came years and years before that one article. And then now we're trying to look at those years before, the article itself, and then all these years that happened since, and then even looking at the future a little bit, it's like wild to try to figure out how to condense that down while still staying true to who a person is. And that's a really hard thing. A lot of the aspects that were challenging for me was just exploring all of the narratives that we did and somehow winding it down to a 15-minute episode was incredibly challenging. I have a tendency to overwrite, overthink, and 
generally do too much. And it was shown in the rough cut of this podcast, which will hopefully never go to air in any circumstance whatsoever. But I'm really proud of the work that we were able to do in pacing all that down. And in terms of the amount of thought that we put into it, to make sure that the story was crafted in such a way that Cece felt comfortable in having it be in the public eye. I think when you spend so much time with a person, you really start to think about your role and your responsibility as a journalist. When it's like a one and done, you obviously still have to think about that person, but you're not building as big and as huge and as an emotional connection with your source as when you spend two, three, four hours talking to them. And that really sunk in for me how big of a responsibility we have to tell people stories accurately and kindly and clearly because it's their story and it's so important to them. And it's also important to us as journalists to to care about that. And I think that was something that really made me reflect Maybe I knew those things kind of subconsciously before, but now it all like really came to the forefront that like our responsibility is huge with any story we tell, whether it's personal accountability, anything. It's so important what we do. It's enlightened me to how aware and consistently you have to think about your role within the story. Um, because like Kendra and Carolina said, there's lots of responsibility with telling other people's story accurately and truthfully while also, you know, honoring other journalistic standards as well. My immediate thought when we pose the question to each other of how can we do this in a way that benefits everyone and is fair to everyone involved was we do not want to be hypocrites. At the core of the story runs a theme of power of the media and how it can affect us years down the line in ways that we're not going to necessarily be able to foresee in the moment. We had spent so much time with Cece talking to her that we had discovered that the real reason, one of the real reasons why she wanted to do this was because she wanted to, in a sense, correct the definition of giftedness and make sure that the image that was put out there of her and people like her was adjusted to how it should have been framed in the first place. So I'm hoping that we got that message across. I think it comes back down to being conscious, double checking, triple checking, making sure the story that you're creating is truthful and honest, but also keeping in touch with your sources to make sure it's true to what they thought they were coming in to do this for. I think um, one thing to add on to that is like as much as we're trying so hard to make sure we're not repeating the history of what happened to Cece before and we can have all these conversations about it and be really, really conscious about it, the scary thing is that we never will know for sure. Like where we are right now, Cece might be okay with the story now and what we've been talking to her about. But 10 years down the line, another 10 years down the line, another 10 years down the line, you never know how a story is going to affect a person. And that's why we have to be so conscious and responsible. But at the same time, you never know for sure. And that's maybe a risk of it all. But it's, it's just really scary to think about that. But we tried our best. 
and we're hoping that things go well, but again, you never, you never quite know, and that's kind of the reality of it. We Met You When is a production by students from journalism at The Creative School, Toronto Metropolitan University. Sherry O'KK is our executive producer and professor. Angela Glover is our director of audio production. Lindsay Hanna is our web design specialist. Additional sound design by L. Laws and Curtis Martin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.